Oh, where have you been, my blue-eyed son? And where have you been, my darling young one? I've stumbled on the side of twelve misty mountains I've walked and I crawled on six crooked highways I've stepped in the middle of seven side forests I've been out in front of a dozen dead oceans I've been ten thousand miles in the mouth of a graveyard And it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard rain You're gonna fall This is Rumble and I'm Michael Moore Welcome everyone, we're less than one week away from the Battle Royale I know a lot of you are feeling an enormous amount of stress and anxiety right now. We have no idea how this is going to turn out. That old saying about hope for the best, but plan for the worst. What's our job here on Rumble for the next week? Hope for the best or plan for the worst? My instinct, of course, always is to to plan for the worst but I know it's hard for us to get by if we're not hoping for the best so maybe it's a combination of the two hope doesn't get Trump removed from the White House hope doesn't win Arizona action can possibly win Arizona and Georgia and Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania we don't know that either it's always true when you act or take any action uh, you start out thinking well we've got to win this and we may or, or we may not but all the pundits on cable news though at least the ones that probably you and I watch are all upbeat and positive and look at all those polls look at all those great polls where Biden is ahead and it, yeah it does it feels good to hear it but so do a lot of other things that people could say to you. Wow, you look great today, Mike. Oh, well, thank you. But you know, you, you look at all the happy news. Biden's ahead nationwide by 8 to 10 points. In Michigan, he's ahead by 10. Just peel it back, though, a little bit. 90 million people have requested an absentee ballot. Did you see that? 90 million absentee ballots. But then you peel it back a little bit, and then you see the truth. Record number, 90 million, have asked for an absentee ballot. As I record this, the total number of absentee ballots that have been returned, 46 million. 90 million requested, only 46 million have been returned. Half have not. And when I heard that on the news last night, my first thought, because they want me to think this, <laughs> so I'm, I'm a compliant viewer of the television box. My first thought was, well, okay, there's still time. Yeah, I hope for the best. There's still time. The other half, the other 
the 45 million that haven't turned it in, they'll, they'll, they'll turn it in. Or, uh, let's see, what could be the other reason? The other reason, of course, instantly comes to your head and you don't want to think it and you don't want me to say it right now into this microphone. But the other reason is, is that a big chunk of that other 45, 46 million are never coming in because either they never, all that 90 million ballot request thing means is that they were requested. It doesn't mean that the people ever got the ballot at their home. And it doesn't mean that the ballot is coming back in ever. Or it will come in a day or two or three after the election. And as the Supreme Court ruled on Monday night in the Wisconsin case, if the ballot isn't in by the close of election day on November 3rd, tough shit. You don't count. The Wall Street Journal yesterday published their investigation. They've been doing this investigation since July. Now, the Wall Street Journal, just let me, in case you don't already know this, there was the editorial side of the Wall Street Journal, which are people that someday will hopefully stand trial (laughs) for destroying this country. But on the journalism part of the Wall Street Journal, journalism has always been pretty good. And they have had an investigation going since July to see how how much was the U.S. mail being disrupted by the Trump administration and by his fat cat postmaster general that he installed back in June to get the boxes taken off the streets and get the machinery ripped out of local postal centers. And uh, it turns out, according to the Wall Street Journal and their investigation, that since July, in many parts of the main swing states, mail delivery has taken an average of six days. Six days to mail something in the state and have it arrive at your city clerk, county clerk, whoever you you sent your ballot to. Six days. And now, yesterday, it was revealed that this, in fact, is what's happening. And so the Michigan Secretary of State went on television on um, Monday night and said, do not mail any more ballots. This is with with hundreds of thousands, if not millions of ballots out there in just the state of Michigan that have not returned yet. She said, don't, don't, um, do not mail them. You must now bring them in, in person. You must bring them in to the city clerk, to the election board, or bring them in um, right up until the day of the election, frankly. <sighs> wow, that just blew my mind. What about all the people who already mailed them six days ago and they're not in yet? They already mailed them. You see what's going on here, right? Yes, I mean, you can feel happy about the poll numbers, but just peel that back a little bit. Look at 2016 and look at now. And yes, by now, Hillary was down to just a 2% lead nationwide. But this is a nationwide vote. This is an electoral college vote. And this is about these swing states. And in July, Joe Biden was ahead of Trump by 16 points in Michigan. I saw one poll here uh, yesterday. Trump has cut that lead in half. It's now an eight-point lead in Michigan. 
And each day, the national average goes down, down, down. It started at the beginning of the week with Biden ahead by 10 points nationwide. Then it was nine points. Then it was eight points. And yesterday, it was seven points. And you know where it's going, folks. It's going to six and then five. In fact, I would say as a rule of thumb right now, Anytime you hear a poll in the next few days that says, let's say, you know, Biden is ahead by six points somewhere, cut it in half. I mean, seriously, cut it right in half. The, the, the Trump vote is being undercounted. It happened last time. It'll be happening this time, in part because Trump voters uh, think that the fake news and the deep state is calling them. And so they don't give them an answer. They give them a made up answer or whatever. So you can't trust it. You just don't go by it. Safe rule of thumb, cut it in half. And then you're now you're down when you've cut the six point lead to three. Now you're within the margin of error, which is usually around three or four points, plus or minus. That's how close this is. We all get this, right? Turn the TV off. I'm, I'm sorry to say that because I'm I'm occasionally on it and I'm trying to tell people this, but I I I just um I need to warn you about what's going on. And um and and we need to plan for the worst here. We need to have our heads wrapped around it. Now, how do we get there? How do we get there if we're not, if we don't hope? If we're not hoping for the best? Well, let's just, let's just state that our actions, whatever little bit we're doing, any of us, or as much as you're doing, you're doing your, that is what's called hoping for the best. Your hope is in your actions. If you're just trying to sit around and get some dopamine going in your brain so that you can feel better, you're not going to feel better. I have to tell you, at the beginning of this podcast, I was sitting in the chair here, and all of a sudden I said to the producer, I'm I'm feeling a little nauseous. nauseous. I don't know why. And he's like, of course you know why. Yes, I do know why. Yes, I know why, and I know why you feel that way. So we're not going to feel better for another week or so. So we just have to buck up here. We just have to get over it because we've got work to do. We will truly hate ourselves. If in these next six days, if we do not do everything that we need to do, and you know, what we need to do is as simple as just convincing one person who's thinking about not voting or voting third party in this case, um, if you could convince just one person who's not planning to vote for Joe Biden uh, to just this one time, just just please, just do this, just this once. Agree with everything they're saying because most of what they're saying is right about how corrupt our system is and about how uh, non-democratic it is and and uh, everything else about it. My friends, we are pros at losing our side, our side of the fence. We are we are disgustingly and embarrassingly pros at losing. Only once, only once in the last 32 years, only once since George H.W. Bush, Bush won, Daddy Bush, when he was elected in 1988, only once since that election, that's 32 years ago, have the Republicans won the popular vote. Have them, that's only once, that was in 2004, and it was by only one state, Ohio. By 100, 150,000 votes. That's it. Every other presidential election after 1988 was won by the Democrats. But of those 32 years, 12 of them 
This country was run by Republicans. W. W. Bush. Baby Bush. And Donald J. Trump. And the damage and destruction that they did to this country in those 12 years. Oh, my God. But think about that. Let's say you're listening to this right now. You're 28, you're 30 years old. Only once have you known a time when the Republicans actually won the popular vote. So in, in six of the seven last presidential elections, the Democrats won. Now let's, let's talk about what that means to the Supreme Court. Of the last 19 justices appointed to the Supreme Court, so for many of you, this is long before you were born. 15 of the 19 justices were appointed by Republicans. How about that? Yet we're the majority. We, whether you call yourself liberal, left, Democrat, Democratic, anarchist, (laughs) whatever. Well, maybe not anarchist. They've got their anarchists too. We've won six of the last seven. And it's possibly, perhaps, hopefully, hopefully, going to be eight out of nine. And yet we could still lose next week. We can't let this happen. I have been so, I don't know what the word is, in a rage since Monday night when they rammed through a new justice to the Supreme Court. (laughs) They quickly held the vote at dinner time. The debate had occurred in the night before, 1, 2, 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m. Nobody saw it because they did it in the middle of the night. A lifetime appointment was debated in the middle of the night so no American would be watching it. And then at dinner time, they held the roll call. And at 8.06, the President Pro Tem of the Senate, Charles Grassley, the senator from Iowa, Republican, sat there on the throne. And I'm going to play the actual tape. This is unedited, no sound effects, no touching, just from my iPhone holding it up to my TV in the living room. Um, This is exactly what happened. You'll hear him. He's going to announce the uh, roll call and as to what the tally was at the end. Republicans will stand and and cheer and applaud. And then all of a sudden, and this is not a switch, there's nothing wrong with your headset or anything when you hear this. It's exactly the sound that came from the Senate floor for the next minute or two, and I'm only going to play, you know, a number of seconds of it, but you'll hear it. No editing here. Exactly as it happened at 8.06 p.m. on Monday evening in our United States Senate. Are there any senators in the chamber who wish to vote or change their vote? If not, on this vote, the A's are 52, the nays are 48. The nomination of Amy Coney Barrett of Indiana to be an Associate Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States is confirmed. Thank you. 
What was that? Did you hear that? That wasn't me. That is exactly how it came right from the audio. C-SPAN's plugged right into the audio board of the U.S. Senate. And the Republicans, because they control the Senate, they control the microphone, they control the cameras, they control the audio outputs, they control everything. And that is exactly, the picture stayed on. You saw the senators walking around and discussing it and blah, blah afterwards. But after Amy Coney Barrett was voted onto the Supreme Court, (laughs) what did that sound like? My first thought was, who turned the exorcist on? (laughs) I mean, seriously, it sounded like some part of hell I don't ever want to be in. The demonic cries of, of those who didn't make it to the big house up in the sky. Just, just play a little bit of that part again, just so people can hear, can hear. This is the actual sound from the audio board of the United States Senate after, seconds after, they voted to put Barrett on the Supreme Court. Creepy. And I thought, yeah, okay, we'll just leave it at that. A half hour later, they were literally all at the White House for another Donald Trump reality show out on the South Lawn, complete with balcony, uh, you know, uh, Hitler Mussolini style uh, staging, except that this was to swear her in. Now, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court swears in the new justice, but the Supreme Court Chief Justice, John Roberts, wasn't there. And I don't think anybody's really told us the truth as to why. I mean, they, they, the White House tried to put out how, how Judge Barrett wanted uh, Clarence Thomas to swear her in. She, the, the wanted Associate Justice Clarence Thomas, the right-wing Supreme Court Justice, to swear her in. But I don't think that's what happened, friends. There, there's no way they would. I mean, this is a pur- purposeful diss of John Roberts, the Chief Justice. And no way would she want to do that. Here's what I think. I think, of course, they wanted the chief justice there to put his stamp on it. He refused to go. Now, they'll deny this, but there's no way. Anything that we now know about John Roberts, there's no way he was going to go and be a prop at a political event the week before the election, another one of Trump's South Lawn stage shows. He wasn't going to do it. My guess is he refused to do it. And so, of course, they got Clarence Thomas to to come in and do it. Well, here's where we're at. I was so angry. And so I just thought, wow, when when history writes about when abortion was made illegal again, uh, they should mark it as this past uh, uh, Monday night, the 26th of October, 2020, is when Roe v. Wade was really nullified. Yes, they'll have their hearings and they'll take their testimony over the next year. And uh, within the year, that's the end of women having a right and a say over their own bodies. (laughs) Guys, really, I'm just speaking to the guys now. Can you imagine a Supreme Court or any law telling us what we can do? with anything anything to do with us? No way. 
well, we cannot sit by and let this happen. And I don't know what the solution is going to be at this point with a six to three Supreme Court, but we cannot sit by. And let me tell you this too, my friends, the damage here with the Supreme Court, Trump's not done. You think Trump's done, you know, okay, well, we got through that. We didn't, we didn't win, but you know, we just got to get him out of there now. Let's just get him out of there. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. We'll get ready. Again, I hate to be the bearer of bad news here. And of course, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know what's going to happen. But haven't we all seen enough of Trump? No, to just when you think you've seen the worst, it just gets worser. <laughs> he still got November, December, January to the 20th. And right now we're, we're at the end of October. So, oh man, under four months left. Even if defeated next week, all the damage he can do. And so I just, I wrote this little, this little thing I posted. I just want to read it to you. I wrote this on on Monday night after Clarence Thomas and Trump climbed the stairs and I just imagined where they went next. So here's my question. If you were a psychotic misogynist and a severely malignant narcissist and you just successfully and valiantly rammed through the Senate, your third justice to the Supreme Court. What would you be sitting around and thinking about as you finished off your final thigh from the bucket of KFC? Well, we know Trump well enough by now to know that, well, he'd be saying in that five-year-old whiny, pouty mind of his, Just three justices? Is that all? I want four. I want four. I want four. And at that moment, Trump, I know, you looked over there inside the residential quarters of the White House. You're up there. And you looked over at the man sitting next to you beside your presidential bed. The man who showed up on Monday night for you as a favor, because the chief justice of the Supreme Court, who usually swears in the new justices, refused to participate in this charade. Or maybe Amy just didn't want him there and wanted Clarence Thomas because, you know, Roberts to her, well, she didn't want to be sworn in and put a hand in a Bible anywhere near the man who voted on the Supreme Court to protect Obamacare because, you know, Obamacare kills the unborn babies. Well, however it happened, Trump, you, and this man sitting there with you, up there, upstairs at the White House Monday night. Yes, look at him. He did this for you. He came to this ceremony. He swore her in. And now you're looking right at him. You're looking right into his 72-year-old eyes, eyes that actually look more like they're 82 years old. And you say to him, in your best Mafia Don voice, you know, Clarence, these Democrats, they're going to be in power for eight years, maybe 16 years after President Kamala. You'll be almost 90 years old, if you're even alive. I think you know what's the best thing to do 
for Republicans, for right-to-lifers like yourself. You, Clarence, need to resign so I can appoint an Afro-American to the Supreme Court. And Clarence, of course, replied, Yes, sir, I am here to serve our great cause. And unlike with Judge Amy, Trump and the Republicans can now take their time with this new fourth appointment. Because they'll have a whopping 59 days from the election next week. Not 37, like, like how they got her through in 37 days. They'll have a whopping 59 days between the election and when the new Democratic Senate takes over on January 2nd. Plenty of time to slam the fourth Trump justice through the Trump Senate. And you know what? Here's the sad part. They know they can get away with it because they know Democrats are weak. Democrats are not fighters. I mean, look how easy number three just was. And all Trump will have to do to get them to stand down is to accuse the Democrats of planning to pack. They're planning. They're planning to pack the Supreme Court when they take office. And the Democrats are, oh, no, no, oh, no, 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 oh, no, 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 no. And then they back down. The Democrats just back down. And Trump will have his fourth, fourth justice put onto the Supreme Court just in the nick of time. I know most of you are not saying, oh, Michael, that can't happen. What do we all know now after nearly four years? Anything can happen. And there's all the other things we've paid no attention to because we've been so focused on the bad shit. We haven't. We haven't noticed that Trump in these, in, in, and it's just been three years and eight months since he started appointing judges. In these three years and eight months, he has put, packed 220 federal judges onto the federal judiciary. 220. And the Democrats get all nervous. Oh, they know they're accusing us of packing. Talk about packing. No, no, 220. That's the right number, my friends. Amy was number 220 of Trump judges that are all lifetime appointments. That you and I and many of us, they're with us for the rest of our lives. And if you're 20 years younger than me, they're there for the rest of your life too. He's gotten away with so much. Don't think he can't get away with it again in his in his final in his final three or four months here. He'll do anything that he thinks he can do, what legal or illegal. In this case, it would be legal. The Constitution allows him to do it and allows the Senate to do it. I'm not saying this to get you all bummed out again. I'm just I'm just in, in asking you to join me in the fight because we have to get ready here. We have, to, we have to get ready, and we can't wait another minute. What Trump is planning to do on election day, on election night, I'm telling you, the federal, the Justice Department, the federal marshals, he's going to seize ballot boxes. He's going to seize hard drives. He's going to say that no vote should count after 
midnight Pacific time, midnight Hawaii time. That's it. Because that's the election day. The Constitution says it's the first Tuesday of November. This is the argument he's going to make. And, the, and it's only the votes we have on the first Tuesday of November. And he now has a 6-3 to three Supreme Court who's going to back him up on that. If you are thinking of mailing your ballot today, they say today maybe is the last day. If it's that six-day average, it'll arrive on Tuesday. But why risk it at this point? If you can take it down to the city clerk, the village clerk, wherever you're at, just find out where you're supposed to take it. Or one of the one of the election ballot boxes, the outdoor boxes. I think those are pretty safe. Don't put a stamp on it. So many people's ballots are not going to be counted because people put a stamp on it. And one stamp, the, will, the post office will not deliver it. It's too heavy and big. It's 65 cents a postage. That's two stamps. It's really, it's like a stamp and a half, but it's not even, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> it's not enough. One stamp. They won't deliver it. And if you're saying to yourself, oh, man, Mike, I already sent it in with one stamp. Well, you can still, you know, because remember, all these ballots now have either some kind of barcode or QR code or some kind of number code where they can, that's how they can track the ballots. And you can, you can say, you can call up and you can say, what do I need to do? Or go on IWillVote.com and they'll tell you what you can do in your state, what the law says where you want to negate your your absentee ballot and show up in person on election day, or you want to go show up in person now at the city clerk's office. They'll have ballots there in most states. I think it's still, not all, but a lot of states, you can still vote right there in person. Figure out what it is you've got to do and do it. I know. I started this by saying I was feeling nauseous. I'd like to, I'd like to tell you that it's gone away, but... Um, but it hasn't, you know, and I know we're all worried. We're all worried about what will Trump do? He won't accept the results. He said that already. He's threatened violence. He's asked militias to be ready. Um, he's called the whole thing a hoax. Of course, until if he can prove that he won, then of course it won't be, a, it won't be a hoax. But, you know, we're all so worried about, you know, what will we do? What will we do when, when he doesn't accept it? But I think, I was talking to Basil about this here, our executive producer, and, and, and Basil said, well, it, really, they should be worried about what we're going to do when they steal the election from us. That should be the only question. Through all, the, all what they've done with the Postal Service, all they're doing with these ballots, all the ways that they are rigging this, they should be worried about us and not worried about us because of violence or anything like that. Just because we're the majority of the country. We are the country. We are the majority. They are the minority. The majority of Americans vote for us. That's what they've done for the last 32 years. The majority of Americans want us in power. They want us making the laws. They don't want them. They know it. They know they're not wanted. So instead of accepting the defeat and the rejection, and the humiliation, that's really a big part of it, from the American people, they devised various systems from gerrymandering to all sorts of voter suppression to make sure that we can't have a say. And they need to be worried about that from now on because we're the majority. Why isn't that question asked? Why is it constantly being asked of what will we do about them? The media 
and the Republicans need to ask, what are we going to do about Michael Moore? And everybody else like him. Because this time, we could be we could win the popular vote by 10 million votes this time. Do you realize that? It's possible. There could be 70 million people voting for Biden. 80 million, 90 million. Maybe, possibly. It's very possible. What are they going to do? When they try to steal an election, when we win it in a landslide, in a tsunami of ballots, what are they going to do? That's the question everybody should be asking right now. Not what we're going to do about them. They need to know and need to be worried about us. And then we have to ask ourselves the question, what will we do? We know we've won the election. And now they're going to try to claim it's theirs. What are we going to do? What? I'm seriously asking you this question. I don't have the answer for you tonight. But we don't have much more time to think about this. I need you to help me. I need you to come up with some ideas. What are we going to do when they steal our election? That's the only question now. You know, drop me a short email. I'll read everything if you keep it short. Drop me a short email or, or a voicemail. The voicemail, voicemail link is right on this podcast platform site. Just go and click on it and you get 60 seconds to tell me what the hell we're going to do. The email address is Mike, that's me, at michaelmore.com. That's it. I need to hear from you. I need to hear from you now because we need to discuss this before Tuesday. And we have run out of time. I'm just going to close with a a little poem I wrote, often what I do when I'm really angry <laughs> and because I am a, I am a nonviolent person. So I, um, after Amy was anointed by the Republican Senate, they will pay for that. <sighs> I wrote a poem. Whack the court. Pack it. Stack it. Frack it. Smack it, shellac it, clack it, knick-knack and paddywhack it, crack it open, shack it up, rack it, yes, it's a racket, black it, brown it, green it, blue it, expand it, term limit it, fix it. Okay, I, it just, I had 90 seconds, so <laughs> I don't even have a title for this poem. I don't even know if it is a poem, but it felt better once I got it out of me. So use your art and your creativity, folks. It's in all of us. Uh, don't hold it in. The fight, the fight is now upon us in these six days. And it is a dark time. It is a dark, dark time. And we have to do this while we're in the middle of a vicious pandemic and we have to stay safe while we're doing it. And I'll tell you this. <sighs> Let's just, I'm going to close. I'm going to go back to the Dylan song at the beginning. A hard rain's going to fall because that's what it feels like right now. A hard rain is falling and we have to come out of this alive and we have to come out of this with a better country and we have to come out as better people. So um, I'm going to play the other verses of the song, but I'm going to, uh, I got a, two or three of these verses here. 
by other singers and songwriters who've covered this song uh, with Dylan. So um, you're going to hear from uh, uh, Jason Mraz, uh, Edie Burkell and the New Bohemians, Eliza Gillickson. They'll do the next uh, three verses, and then we'll let Dylan uh, close it out. So maybe just close your eyes for a minute and uh, listen to these words and music and uh we've come through some awful stuff before and we will come through this but not with hope with action thanks everybody for listening um this has been rumble you're part of it there's no choice any of us have now we're all in the rumble i'm michael moore thank you They kept dripping I saw a room full of men With their hammers bleeding And I saw a white ladder All covered with water I saw ten thousand talkers Whose tongues were all broken I saw guns and sharp swords In the hands of young children and it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard, and it's a hard, a hard rains are gonna fall.
Fall. 